Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we dive deep into how you can use data to measure, manage, and optimize your health with the latest science and technology. This show is brought to you by Heads Up, which is our web and mobile app designed for individuals and healthcare professionals who need a precise way to measure and manage health data. Check us out at headsuphealth.com. If you've got comments, questions, or feedback on this show, shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com. We'd love to hear from you. And with that said, let's get into our next exciting episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Data Driven Health Radio. And my guest today is the superstar, Dr. Molly Maloof a really, really good personal friend of mine. And I'm just really, really excited to interview Molly. We're going to talk about her new book, The Spark Factor, and all the other just like amazing biohacking worlds that I find Molly in and all these rabbit holes that we go down together. So first of all, it's good to see your beautiful smiling face. I know you're in LA, but thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Are you kidding? I love your company. Yeah. Well, You know, I was thinking about this interview and I realized the challenge with this one is going to be that we have so many things in common to talk about. I know. There's sex, there's drugs, there's Burning Man, there's biohacking. Health optimization. NAD. Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. Like, what the heck? Where do we even start? Nature. (laughs) Yoga Nidra. Yoga Nidra, that's a good one. Yeah, you got to take you know, my class. We'll get you. I've been working on you, Doc. I'll get you over here one day. You know what's really class. funny is I still have your lunchbox from the NAD <laughs> therapy weekend. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I don't even know box. how you got it. I gave it to Katrine. I, I got it from Katrine. She gave it to me. And I'm like, Katrine. Oh, shit. Because she had to give me a bunch of refrigerated peptides and stuff, you know? Yeah. And she's like, well, he left his lunchbox. You can take it. And I'm like... <laughs> She fucking gave away your lunchbox, your Yeti expensive lunchbox to me. Yeah. You know, Katrina has given me so much stuff that like, I actually can never really say anything to her. I so know. Like, I know. I know. I feel the same way. I'm like, God, she sends me the best chocolate of all time. Yeah. She does all these favors for me. Like, yeah, she's just a gem. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's start there, Molly. I think one thing we can build up towards getting to um topic of the day, which is the book, but you and I... Also, um, have gone through the NAD retreat. Yeah, and you and I both had some um, really positive experiences with that. So, um, yeah, I'm a layperson medically, and I had a really good experience with it. I, I really noticed a lot of changes in my blood sugar levels, mm-hmm. which is getting to the mitochondria and the energy of the cell, which you talk a lot about in, in yeah. the book. So maybe you could start there. Like, what the heck is NAD, and how does it work in in the mitochondria and the cell, and like some of your personal experiences. And and do you mention that in Spark Factor? Yeah. So it's funny because I actually didn't put NAD into the Spark Factor because I wasn't certain that it, I mean, it's funny because I really regretted not using it because I'd actually used it in 2019 when I had a minor hair, like just like potentially wasn't a fracture, but it had this thing called a sail sign on my elbow Mm -hmm. and I had a minor fall and my elbow really hurt. And I went to the doctor, I got an x-ray. They're like, well, it could be broken, but you're not gonna really do anything about it. Cause you're not going to cast it. And I was like, well, what do you, what do I do? They're like, just deal with it. It'll be like three months of pain. I'm like, okay, no. So I used these NAD patches and it healed in like a month and a half. 
-hmm. Now, there's so much stuff that I've done to biohack that I'm surprised I didn't fit it all into the book. But looking back, I wasn't sure about IVNAD because I was like, well, maybe it's just like a really expensive version of regular NAD and it's more bioavailable. So maybe it'll work better. But it's a really fundamentally different experience when you get it in an IV. Yep. It's like five days of really intense, you know, therapy. It's not easy to handle it. And if it wasn't for the Nano V and the PEMF mat, I definitely did not enjoy it when I wasn't using those devices. Yep. But there's something definitely different about the experience of using, you know, I love the patches and I use the patches from Ion Layer. But I also think that there's something different about what's going on when you do five days of the IV therapy. Because it's like, I felt like I was 20 again. And the biggest shift that I saw was both improvements in my blood sugar, but a bigger improvement in my HRV. Mm -hmm. So it got my HRV up pretty high, which wow. was exciting. I mean, it really yeah. like doubled my HRV, which was pretty surprising. Doubled it? I'm, yeah. I, I don't know if I saw that necessarily, but I did see the blood sugar improvements. Yep. I'm due to go back. I'll have to pay closer attention. to. I want to go back. Time. I want to do it again. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know when, but I definitely want to do it again. This thing was worth it because it really did help me when I needed it. But I do kind of want to just get access to it, to have it on my own. But, you know, it's really a biohack. It's not something that, like, I don't think everyone's going to go out and do because it's uncomfortable. But there's so many things you can do to optimize your body. I mean, NAD is basically a cofactor of mitochondrial metabolism. Mm -hmm. So it helps run the machinery of your metabolism more, more efficiently to produce more energy, to recharge the cells. So it's really a great tool if you're feeling tired and overwhelmed and like, you know, you're feeling energy deficient, it's a good reboot. And I've been using these patches over the last few weeks just to get my body back into a little bit more balance because I'm in the middle of launching a book, which is pretty much chaos. But um, <laughs> great learning experience. I'm glad I'm doing it because it's taught me so much. Well, you got to put all your hacks into, into practice, Doc. I, I mean, have uh, been. Yeah, you're biohacking the whole process Definitely. Of, the, of the challenges of being a successful entrepreneur and businesswoman yeah. and all the things you do and also like pushing your body hard. Yeah. And you have to wake up every day and put it on your shoulders. And that's a lot of what exactly. biohacking is about, in my opinion. Exactly. You got you to gotta take your own medicine, you know? Mm -hmm. And I went like three months last year without coffee because I was high cortisol, mm -hmm. normalized my cortisol, thank God, and then went on a vacation mm -hmm. and really was like, okay, the only way I'm going to be able to handle this book launch is if I actually like take some time off. So I went to Puerto Rico, spent a ton of time in nature, just really recovered, got a ton of rest and started this year strong and been taking all my supplements and getting back into fit my fitness regimen, a little bit easier when I'm in Austin, but I have been walking a lot in LA, which has been good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's back up the tape, Molly. For, for those who don't know your work and your background, could you just give sure. us an update on like your medical training and your um, personal practice yeah. and just some of the things you've done professionally to lead you up to this point? Yeah. I know it's so, a long list, but like, it's a long list, but I'll shorten yes. it. So I became a doctor in like 2012 and uh -huh. like licensed physician. And I started my own medical practice, working with executives to optimize their health. And I also started working with startups because I wanted to fund my practice somehow and I didn't know how to do that. So I started working with startups. And I've worked with over 50 companies in the last 10 years, helping with product development, clinical research, scientific marketing, and built a personal brand since like 2017 called drmolly.co, Dr. Molly Media Co. is the actual business name. But it's basically a media company and I like to educate people about, I've always loved education. So I, I taught 
a course at Stanford for three years called Live Better Longer, Extending Health Span for Longer Lifespan. I just finished a book called The Spark Factor, getting published at the end of this month. And I'm an entrepreneur. So I've like built some companies, sold one company, had some really interesting experiences with startup life. It's definitely a different world. It's like, like working with companies as a consultant and working as an entrepreneur is like going from the sidelines to the arena. Like you're in their arena now, like you're in it and it's like real and like, it's scary and it's dangerous. And there's all sorts of pitfalls. And like like every day you face death. You're like, you're in a hero's journey and you're basically like, you got, you got test allies and enemies. And I really didn't have any enemies at all when I was in consulting. Like everybody was my friend. I got along with everyone. The moment you start, the moment real money is involved and the moment like the stakes are high is the moment everything changes. And so entrepreneurship has been one of the most amazing journeys. And I love learning. I'm like a glutton for learning. It's like my favorite thing in the world. And I have to say, I still advise a lot of companies, including your company. Yay! But I, I love working with startup founders, but there's nothing like becoming a founder yourself. Totally. To re- and I was a founder because I built my own medical practice and I built my own you know, consultancy, but there's really nothing like becoming an actual founder to really kick you in the face with reality of like how hard it is. Because like as an advisor to so many companies, like you're giving people feedback and you're hoping that they listen. But when you're actually in the trenches, it's like you're getting so many different messages from so many different people. And your job is to basically sift through what's the right move for the company to make. And I love seeing where your company's going. Certainly excited to be done with this book so I can get back to full-time on my company and, and what I'm doing with Adama Bioscience. So it's been a fun journey. Well, you're spot on there with like the whole entrepreneurial journey. It really is getting in the arena and getting shit kicked in your face and taking punches and scoring victories. You win a round, you lose a round, you win a couple rounds, you lose a round. Every day learning how to be comfortable with risk. Yeah. That for me, I think, and also one of the biggest things for me has been learning how to believe that it's all going to work out. Yes. And that's the hardest You have to have a delusional level of confidence. Yeah. You have to basically (laughs) become delusionally confident. Totally delusional. This is what a reality distortion field is. Yeah. It's literally the power of creating reality with your mind and against all odds, believing in what your vision is and sticking with it, you know? And well, that's challenging. When, like, people who are like, you, when you believe in your vision, you're sitting across from an investor. He's seeing a thousand guys like you. And he knows your weak spots that you don't even know you have. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. you have to believe to your core that you're right and they're wrong. Like yeah. that's the level of delusional reality yeah. field you need to yeah. have. Like, yeah. here's a great example for those listening. I'm going to go football on you, Molly. Please excuse me. We'll bring it back here soon, I promise. But like... This weekend, Jacksonville Jaguars are playing in the football game. And this quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, he throws four picks in the first half, and they're down 27 nothing. Okay, this is no different than a startup founder. Okay, yeah. you've whiffed on like 30 investor pitches at this point. You have no money yeah. in your pockets, and you're still yeah. like, you don't even fucking blink. And you come out yep. in the second half, and you win the game. Like, that to me is like what it takes. Yeah. It's funny. I worked so hard on my pitch. I started fundraising. I raised about a million for my company. Apparently only 2% of female founders actually get funded somewhere between two and 7%, but the numbers really vary. And 
I just love the feeling of like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. And I do. And then you go and you fucking figure it out. And you're like, how did I do that? And I'll be honest with you. Psychedelics helped. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. But uh, I do think that. This is not um, a recorded line. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no one's gonna hear it. Nobody's gonna listen, right? So, (laughs) but um, but there is something to be said about. I've met a lot of really successful founders in Silicon Valley. I mean, one of the benefits of getting to work with so many really high net worth founders and entrepreneurs is I got to see that they're normal people. And they're actually no different than, than everyone else. Sometimes they're a little bit alien because sometimes you get these clients that are like, there is no reason why their body should be in such good shape. And you're like, you should be really, really unwell. And you're, you're an alien. Like, like that's rare. But most of the time, what I see is like real people who have real problems, who have real lives. And you're like, what makes them different than the rest of us? You know, like what makes them more successful? And the thing is, is that they love what they do and they get into flow state regularly with their job, yeah. but they also really do create reality distortion fields around them. They, they are able to bend reality with their minds. And that's something that's pretty wild to me. Like that's not taught in any entrepreneurship, like anywhere, like where is like how to build a reality distortion field. But you know, it's fascinating to me how many of these found like really big world changing founders, like they just have a bigger scope of what they think is possible. They really think really big and they don't back down when people say that's not possible. They're just like, fuck it, I'm going for it. And that's really inspiring. You know, when you have, when you realize that it's like, it's literally just in the mind that reality is made from, and you just have to continue to believe in yourself and you continue to believe in what you're building. And I mean, when I heard about your company, I was like, finally, somebody's building this thing right. You know, because like, it had been so many years. I actually had many years ago, I'd been sitting on an airplane and I was sketching out the idea of a product and it was literally what you were building. Mm-hmm. And I was like, somebody's going to do this. Somebody's going to make this thing happen. And I was like, I am not, I mean, I'm technical, but I'm not that technical to build something this technical. But I was like, man, someone's going to come along and they're going to build a sort of Morningstar terminal of the body. You know, mm-hmm. the data streams will all be coming into, like, we're getting all these data streams, but nobody's organizing the data and nobody's making sense of it. And I think what you're doing is like Heads Up Health is creating a way for people to take the data from their body and actually interpret it and make sense of it. And then also manage many different people who have data streams coming out of their bodies. So like looking at a population of people and it's really the future of of like personal health optimization, like personalized medicine, precision medicine. This is what we need to see happen. And it's going to be you know, we're going to see this split system. There's going to be the public option for healthcare and there's going to be this private option that's going to have all sorts of bells and whistles that you can pay for. And, you know, I think, you know, I already already make this distinction. It's like, I have my emergency healthcare for if I get hit by the bus and then I have my subscription healthcare. I pay whoever a subscription and they get me whatever I want. Yep, exactly. I mean, I'm actually working on a bunch of partnerships for my company because I'm realizing that, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'm building a brand and I'm building like out products and services around the science of love, but I'm partnering with all these companies that create products and doing these brand collaborations to actually create. Cause like what I really want to do is psychedelic assisted sex therapy, but psychedelics aren't available yet. So we're building out drug assisted sex therapy using legal medicines that are prescription and also over the counter things that are available in different markets 
and partnering with brands that actually have really great products and building out, you know, our co-branded products with these companies. And then eventually as things get approved, you know, we'll run studies on different psychedelic formulations and then break into the markets that are available for things like psilocybin. And then eventually MDMA is going to get approved and we'll be able to partner with MAPS to integrate people with our, with our program for sexual dysfunction. So it's a really fun project to work on. I can't wait until we can get pharmaceutical grade stuff like that. You yeah. can get it now with ketamine. And it's like, okay, yeah. I can go into a medical office. I know this is pharmaceutical grade. There's a nurse. I'm hooked up to a machine. They're monitoring yeah. my vital signs. And it's very powerful. And if, if you could, it will happen where that's available for these other types of things. And, and even now, I think the whole notion of being able to take a lot of really good products that are available prescription for certain conditions, they actually have high utility in other non-prescription areas like longevity. And yep. I think that's like an increasingly common trend where people might want to take, like, I'm not medically obese, but maybe I want to be on some glutide. Hey, guess what? Well, My friend's company, Journeys, is yep. creating this platform. And we're talking to them about partnering to offer other peptides and other medicines for sexual dysfunction and building out a, like a co-branded platform, Adamo and Journeys. Because I think that these peptide therapies, I mean, if you've done PT-141 plus Tadalafil is a rock star formula for arousal and for mm -hmm. erection for men and women. It's like, it works, dude. Like, So can this, you get this, those stacked, Molly? Those peptides? Yeah. Like, so you get them in one bottle? Like I get... PJC Epimoralin in one bottle. Yeah. So like, is that a sex combo yep. you can buy? It's a combo you can get. Damn, from, but awesome. you have to get it from compounding pharmacies. Gotcha. So what we're going to do is we're going to offer this platform that can. That oh can yeah. I love this. It. Yeah. And then we're going to have the sex therapy, the education that you can learn. And so like, not everybody's going to watch the videos, but if they want to have better sex, then they can learn how to fix their dysfunction on top of, this medicine that's going to be, you know, a and great tool, Molly, toolbox. Like if you get to the psycho-spiritual part of it, which you're already onto, right? The psilocybin, yep. the MDMA, get to the real psycho-spiritual part of it. That's got to be yep. the foundation. It's like yep. when you're trying to fix your health, you got to get the diet first, right? Like exactly like in the love world, you got to get the psycho-spiritual part fixed first. Then yeah. you can start to layer on the biohacks. That's where you can start to introduce or like these the, peptides. Or, or some of the like sexual practices that can really enhance your sexual experience. Like, yeah. Human connection is the frontier for me of like what I want to do with my career. And it's just so clear to me that it's like the mitochondria and the metabolic health is all about the energy production, but the psycho-spiritual and the like healing trauma piece and the actual mastering of your mindset is like the direction of the energy properly through the cell. And sexuality is like both emotional connection and physical connection. And when you have both of those together, you have great sex, you know, when you have just the physical connection, but no emotional connection, it's terrible. And it's just, you feel like your body's like being masturbated by, you know, like mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this person is basically using my body for masturbation. But when you have spiritual, emotional and physical connection, that's when you have transcendent sex, you know? And I think we can teach people this. And so I'm just, what I'm discovering well, nobody's is Nobody's thinking this way, Molly. That's why I love the vision because like, Thanks. it's a hard problem, right? Like, really hard. It's really hard going into like everybody's junk and like dealing with that part of it. And you can't just do that at the surface. You got to go no. down and rip it at the root. Yeah. Or, like, you do that. And then you talk about, wow, then you can start to have connection, physical intimacy, emotional connection, 
the spiritual part of it is fixed. And like that, if you can get even a small percentage of people to experience that, I think so far, even out of the, even the, the field of view of most people as even yeah. conceivable. And like what you're doing is starting to say, okay, here's a roadmap that we can build yes. to help people yes. get there. Am I understanding yeah. that right? Exactly. And it goes beyond just sexuality, love and attachment, right? Like these mm -hmm. are fundamental and that's what the initial product we're building is going to be focused on. But then eventually later on, I'm very interested in the field of like broader social connection. So like, mm -hmm. how do you measure social connection? How do you amplify it? And I think it's going to be done through digital biomarkers and it's going to be done through qualitative assessments. Yeah. And if we will be able to actually identify somebody who's socially frail versus someone who's socially connected. And I think if we can do that, we can offer, my goal would be to actually develop financial tools that can reward people for connectivity. So like essentially, I think that what I really envision, what I'm really dreaming about is like 20 years from now, Imagine if, okay, so there's a sick care system that takes your money and wants to manage your care, but you get charged for it constantly. What if there is a well, like a wellness health care system that you give up some of your privacy for giving out your data, which can be de-identified and that data can go into basically you get paid for how the data is being used or you get discounts on your life insurance or you get discounts on, you know, all sorts of health products. And this idea that like, well, there's no privacy anymore, right? Like it doesn't exist. So like, we just need to accept that's life. But I feel like if I'm giving away my health data to all these apps, why am I not getting paid for this? Like, why am I not seeing some return on investment for this? Sure. And I think that the big move is throughout life insurance because life insurance actually wants you to stay alive. Yep. Health insurance, they want you to stay alive for the next five years. Life insurance wants you to stay alive for like the next 50 years. And that's a different market and a model. So I'm, I'm actually talking to big insurance companies right now about partnerships to work on some of these future viewing products that may be just innovation endeavors and like innovations around, like, I just feel like this, I want this research to start now because even though I'm working on this one product, I'm like, I'm looking at the big picture. It's like, okay, one in seven men have no friends. One in 10 women have no friends. That is going to directly correlate to their longevity and their happiness. We know that if we can teach people social connectivity, then live longer and happier lives. So like this is in itself like its own future product. And I, I think that there's products we can build in every aspect of social connection. But of course, we have to focus and build one first and then build the next ones later. So I'm focusing on sex because sexuality is interesting and fun and like it's a really big booming industry. But I'm obviously very deeply passionate about health span and longevity. So I'm thinking about how does this business grow into the future and how do we start potentially building a corporate side of our business and then a consumer side of the business. Well, I've always thought about how we could use a version of heads up in an insurance context where right? it's like, Hey, here's the 20 biomarkers that you need to share. And yep. they need to be like current, right? In mm -hmm. this window. And like, we track your currency, like, Hey, your I don't know, testosterone markers, like six months out of date. But imagine there's like this set of biomarkers that everyone has to ante up with. And there's yeah. also like some lifestyle things you got to share, like, I don't know, maybe some glucose reading, CGM or whatever. Yeah. But then you can basically stratify risk to the absolute next level. I mean, that's with, what I'm saying, right? Like there should be really good personal actuarial models, mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, if yep. you continue to do this, you, like we need to incentivize long, like lead to longer lives. 
you know? I've seen and, a and few just, companies come across my desk that are like trying to crack this nut. The names are escaping me now, but there have not been many. And I don't it's know. It's really hard. Yeah. Really, really hard. I mean, if mm. it was easy, it would have been done by now. Yeah. Well, I love all of those directions, Molly. So I'm excited to see what you come up with across the board. I want to go back to like some of your earlier work because like sure. you were also one of like the pioneers of like metabolic therapy. Yeah. You were like one of the OGs. Like the, the, the CGMs you used to carry around like an old cell phone, right? Like yeah. you, you were you were using I was them back then with people. The weird thing. And I was like, this is the future. And they were like, yeah. you weird, weirdo. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny because like it's like it's challenging. There's you know, whether astrology is real or not is I just saw this funny meme about Aquarians and it was like, you guys are into the weirdest shit. Nobody cares. And that's what it's like in the early stages of an innovation cycle is like, nobody knows what you're doing and that nobody understands it. And like, you're like, but I believe in this. And then nobody gets it. And then you're like five years later, everyone's into it. And you're like, God damn it. I'm so sick of this shit. It's like, and now I, I mean, I still use them. And now I'm an advisor of levels and they've been so supportive of my, of my book launch. And I'm deeply grateful to this company, but I'm actually nervous for all the consumer software CGM companies. I'm very nervous for them because of companies like Saba. And there's another company, Glucosense or something that came out at CES. And I it was like a, companies at CES that were doing completely non-invasive measurement. I just want to see the data. I want to see the MARD. Totally. Of course. Show yeah. me the MARD, man. Like, yeah, these are those pre, pre-prototype companies. In, in but it's like, show, I mean, look, Apple would buy them tomorrow if they were working. Totally. But I guarantee Apple's done their, I mean, when I worked at Sano, Apple came in and was like, Hey, show us your shit. And Sano did not have the accuracy anywhere mm-hmm. close to what Apple would want to buy. So if these companies were working prototypes, Apple would have already bought them for billions of dollars because they've been trying to do this for literally 10 years. So it's to me, maybe mm, 2014, maybe seven to eight years. But point is, is that like, these are very valuable companies with very significant potential to disrupt the entire industry if they can get the accuracy. But I mean, I'm wearing an Abbott three right now and I love it. It's fantastic. I haven't tested the three. I've it's great. It's continuous. It's totally yeah. continuous now. And it's so you like, don't tap anymore. No more tapping. Perfect. That was the biggest thing. But really so, importantly, if you're taking semaglutide, I learned the hard way. I was taking the normal dose and then I got really low blood sugar and I was getting panic attacks. So I started taking lower doses and it definitely helped. What, but, was the, um, what, what dose was giving you the uh, low blood sugar? Like 0.25. Yeah, units, I believe. And so it was like, I, I started with 0.125 instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, big, big difference in blood sugar for sure. I don't know how long I'll stay in semaglutide or not. I think it's useful, but it's also like, yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, I'm not right really overweight. Well. Same thing. I'm testing it now as well. I'm actually stacking it with um, the growth hormone peptides, which actually Ooh. stimulate appetite. So yeah. Like it's really threading the needle trying to thread the needle because like they're working on different systems one is like down regulating appetite and the other is up regulating appetite so like i'm trying to see if i can thread the needle but it's a fun experiment that i've been on yeah i'm doing it with motsi yep and i'm like really surprised at how good i feel given the fact that i felt like garbage at the end of last year i mean i was dragging and i was like molly writing a book 
on health is ironically bad for your health. You know, it's <laughs> like it. really ironic. And like you hear stories of other people who've written books on sex and they're like, I wasn't having any sex when I was writing a book on sex. And it's like, it's really annoying how the world works, you know, it's a challenge, but you know, there's, well, that. you're dialed in now, you know, you got, you came out, came I feel out, great. came into the gate strong, got the NAD. I definitely, I definitely uh, feel really good now, which is cool. So tell I took us a about vacation. the book. What I love about the book, Molly, is that you've written the first biohacking book for women. And that's a yeah. really, really important distinction because like, it's all this shit about like fasting and keto and like all this stuff that's not always like great for the ladies. So like, yeah. maybe you can just expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So women and men, I believe have different biological imperatives, whether we like, it's obvious now as a CEO of a company and advisor to many companies. And, you know, I've certainly in touch with the masculine side, but my biology is still programmed as a woman. And with that biology, I don't get the same benefits of intense biohacking stacks that men can do and see major benefits from. So like nobody in biohacking should be overdoing, in my opinion, too many at one time. But it seems like for women, when you stack a high stress life, high intense exercise, fasting and ketosis, your cells are like, uh uh-uh. I'm not getting enough energy and I'm going to turn down the thermostat of my thyroid. I'm going to turn up the cortisol. I'm going to turn down the sex hormones and you just get imbalanced. And I saw this happen a lot in women. You get weight loss resistance. I was like, why is it that all these female biohackers, like not not just female biohackers, but a lot of bodybuilders that are women are like really struggling with their hormones and they're doing all the same things guys are doing, but they're not getting the same outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think we have a little bit of a different problem in our hands. Mm-hmm. And part of it is first and foremost, like energy deficiency. If a woman's under eating and or sending the signals that there's not food available in the environment, it's like we have this genetic programming that's like, I'm going to just prioritize survival over reproduction. And because reproduction is so important to female you know, biological programming, it can really suck for a woman to actually have hormone dysfunction, periods will be crazy, like everything just goes to go downhill. So I was like, maybe what women need is a gentler approach to biohacking. And maybe what we need to under, is understand how important it is that we look at the stressors in our life and actually take those stressors and take into account where they're all coming from. Because I do think that in some, I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of men in a lot of startups and I just do think that men have a bigger envelope for stress than women. And Yet I see women handle a lot of stress. I really do. I mean, women have this capacity to be mothers and founders and you name it, and they won't necessarily all break, but there's so many women out there that are like struggling to lose weight and they're struggling to be fit. And like, I feel like I'm doing everything. Why is this not working? And it's because their nervous systems are like, you are not safe and I'm not going to lose any weight until I feel safe. And it's like, you're holding on to the every last calorie. And you're turning down that thermostat of your thyroid and you're turning up that cortisol. And you know what? It sucks. It's counterproductive to the whole thing. Counterproductive. So I'm not saying women should like stop being founders and stop being like, stress is unavoidable. Like stress is part of life. But the real question is, is can we actually master the stress response? And so a big part of what I've tried to teach in the book is like, here is what HRV is. 
Here is what these different sources of stress are from. You may not even know how to conceptualize your sources of stress because nobody taught you. And so it took me years to really understand what stress was and understand the good and the bad of stress, right? So there's chronic stress and acute stress. Acute stress can actually make you stronger, but chronic stress will break you long-term and break your metabolism and cause all sorts of dysfunction. But then there's, exactly. But then there's generalized unsafety theory of stress which is that there's a lot of sources of stress in your environment that you may not even know are stressful. Things like lack of social connection, things like pollution, things like poor visibility on a long drive, things like low cardiorespiratory fitness, and just things like not knowing your neighbors, just being surrounded by strangers. You know, we're supposed to literally be surrounded by people that we love and trust. So just living alone and living around people you don't know in environments that are loud and have major noise pollution can be very stressful on the nervous system. So hacking stress is all about really recognizing where is it coming from and learning how to mitigate it. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate that I've built a strong social network, but that took work. You know, it wasn't like this thing that I just like built overnight and had. It was like regularly interacting with people, regularly interfacing with people, regularly keeping in touch with people. And I don't think I'm perfect at it by any means, but I do feel like I have a really strong group of friends in different cities that opened up their homes to me and, you know, show up for me when I'm around and when I need help, you know, and that's what people need is they need a safety net of trusted friends that care about them. And yet a lot of people just don't prioritize relationships because they're just struggling to survive out there, you know, but that's the interesting thing is that like by prioritizing relationships, you often will actually have more resources, have more help when you need it, find that job when you don't have one. I mean, it's it's literally one of the best things you can do for your longevity and your happiness. Well, you have a friend in Las Vegas. Yeah. Times. I have a few so friends in Vegas. Let's put that on the record. And then I think you kind of hit on an important thing that's really kind of like overlooked sometimes. We talk all kinds of different ways to optimize health and all the different tricks and tips. And yet sometimes it's just like going and talking to your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> like it's some like of the best biohacks are like your neighbor. super low tech. Yeah, exactly. Go to a coffee shop and talk to strangers, you yeah. know, make friends. But making yeah. friends is hard, right? A lot of people don't even know how to make friends. You know, yeah. it's surprising. Yeah. I guess I take it for granted because I've gotten so used. Like when you start a business, you get really comfortable with like yeah. getting thrown into all kinds of crazy situations. It comes very naturally to me. But Absolutely. What do you recommend to people who are not good at that and like they're introverted and like it's hard for them and they're awkward? Like that may be actually the most the place they need to start with their own biohacking journey. Well, I always recommend the simplest stuff first because like when I was first starting out on my journey, I literally was in the worst health. Literally, when I left my residency, I was a mess. I had chronic fatigue. I was not clinically depressed, but I wasn't happy. I'll tell you that. I was burned out and I was really suffering emotionally because I had my dream of becoming a pediatrician was like crumbled in the face of the misery of the medical system. And I was like, I got to change my life because I'm not happy. And I, so I started my own medical practice and I started working with startups and that got me an income that was able to help me support myself and build my career, build my brand. But it was a struggle initially. And I remember being like, God, I know there's got to be an answer to this. So fortunately, I was able to meet some doctors who became mentors. And I was like, okay, how do you optimize health? What should I do differently about my health? 
And I got some really easy tips like, hey, cut out gluten and dairy for a little while. I was like, okay, what is that going to do? And I just like, I still eat dairy now, but I, I don't eat gluten. But cutting out gluten transformed my digestive tract and I healed my gut. I learned about the specific carbohydrate diet, learned about the GAPS diet, learned about gut healing. That changed my health. Learned about circadian rhythms, started optimizing my sleep. That changed my health. Moved to a, a place that had more light versus so much. I lived in a really, really dim loft. It was like a cave. It was very safe though, living in a cave in Oakland, but wasn't great for my circadian rhythms. And then I started slowly adding exercise in. So it started with walking more. And then walking became buying some kettlebells and doing kettlebell workouts. And then then I bought some power blocks and started doing power block workouts. And I just slowly started adding habits into my you know regimen. Then I optimized my oral health and I optimized my gums and my tongue scraping and brushing my yeah. teeth. Yeah. Big source of inflammation, right? Yeah. And then I learned about continuous glucose monitoring. And I realized that I was borderline pre-diabetic and insulin resistant. And that took me, me too. you know, it, yeah. dude, I had to learn that one the hard way too. Like, I mean, everyone's like, you have such great skin. I'm like, this is from blood sugar management. Like yeah. this is from gut health. This is from hormone health, you know? And it's like surprising how much people don't really understand that good skin comes from inside, but insulin resistance is miserable. I used to wake up in the middle of the night, so hungry that I had to eat. And it was literally my blood sugar dropping so low and I wasn't able to flip the metabolic switch. And then after that, I was like, okay, optimizing my macros, learning how to do ketosis, learning how to do fasting and learning how to optimize my supplements with nutritional testing and minerals testing and slowly but surely optimizing all these different systems. And then before I knew it, I mean, I was like, I'm in better health now than I was 10 years ago, but it wasn't like someone asked me, if you read this book, are you going to experience dramatic changes to your health? And I'm like, honestly, every single book that promises a dramatic health transformation is lying to you because mm-hmm. health does not change overnight. Health changes with consistency and practice and habit formation and building health into your body, like building money into your bank account. It doesn't, it's, it's like, yeah, of course, some people win the lottery, but that's not how health is done. You know, like, you know, if you really work at, changing your environment, monitoring your air quality index in your environment, really looking for ways to improve your environment and looking at all those things I just mentioned, that's going to take time and effort and it's going to be slow, but that's the stuff that stands out and sticks. And that's what matters is like consistency of habits over time is like compounding interest. It builds over time. Yeah. And it's kind of fun too. It's like you get that first win, even if it's a small win and that starts the domino effect and you're like, Ooh, I want another win. And then you're like, oh, okay, I can just like make a simple change to like the way I manage my oral health. You know, people don't even think about that. Okay, what's the next one? I just ordered Molly an air quality monitor. You know, I'm in an old house. The air quality sucks, but I have no data. I'm flying blind. Okay, I got a win. And it just becomes these things that you stack and it becomes really fun and rewarding. And I think that's the promise of the book specifically with a lens for women is, is yep. to get that like first domino and then everything you've learned doing it all yourself. And then obviously yep. having the MD background, you can help people understand the medical reasons behind why a lot of these things work. And that just helps to like intellectualize it. And anytime you understand the why of something, it's just a lot easier to like get the benefit from it. So to I me, think- that was, that was what I was trying to do with the book. I was yeah. like, the root cause of most metabolic disease and most mental illness is in the mitochondria. And we can hack our mitochondria for better health. 
And there's a common pathway and it's the stress response. And if we can really understand how we cope with stress and how we feed our stress and how we don't deal with the emotional issues under the surface and understand how movement, mastering your metabolism, really optimizing your environment and your connection can actually lead to better mitochondrial function. You know, you can fix a lot of chronic diseases if you catch them early, but it does require, you know, having a consistent morning and evening routine, having consistent habits and slowly adding different changes to your lifestyle, doing a lot of experimentation. That's what biohacking is all about. It's about running these personalized N equals one experiments, gathering data, coming up with hypothesis, testing it and tracking and then tracking and see if you were right or wrong. And to me, that's what I wanted to teach people is like, you know, you've got this amazing body, but you better figure out how it works because you only got one and no doc- most doctors are not going to do this for you unless you can hire one like me. Well, you know, you've got the brains of the book, Molly. I got the tracking software. So those exactly. two things need to come together here. I yes. say we figure out a way for like anyone who reads the book to like get a heads up subscription. I'll pony up I mean, for that. That would be do dope. Because then people can track it themselves. I came at it myself. I was a lay person, but I was working in data analysis. And I'm like, okay, I can analyze like 80 billion computer data points and find a performance problem in five minutes. And wow. there's like nothing out there that can like analyze even a simple trend line in my health data. So that's why I started Heads Up. It's like, okay, I, I just that. need something to measure this stuff. And it's like, I got these labs and I got this sensor data. I'm like, and I, was it hard? I was just doing an experiment and then doing a measurement. That's how the whole thing started. was like, I just needed a way to measure my own biopics. And it went from there. So if you're listening, the book and Heads Up are going to have some kind of like way for you to track it all. We love it. Those would be a perfect combination. So we'll get a little crisper on that afterwards, Molly. But yeah, um, if you're listening and you're you're one of the ladies or you want to get this for a lady to help them get started, how do people get the book? How do they find you? What would you recommend to people who are listening who want to get their hands on this? I mean, go to drmolly.co backslash the spark factor. The book is the spark factor. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And you can find me on Instagram at drmolly.co, on Twitter at Molly Maloof, MD. We can put all this in the show notes. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I definitely, like, we definitely got to make this um, dashboard. That's key. Well, you know, because we're right now heads up to servicing a lot of practitioners. And that's like a yeah. primary focus is like giving yeah. them the interpretation tools. But we still have a product that is for individuals. And yeah. Anybody who just needs to like do some basic before and after testing. Yeah, um, we should totally find a way to make that happen. So I'll connect yeah. with you offline, and if we can find a we'll way, figure to figure like, it out. Yeah, that's a good place for us to collaborate next. Aside from cool. that, Molly, I just want to say thank you for all your good work in the world. I want to say thank you for all the work you do for Heads Up. We're really, really grateful to have you on the advisory board. Someone who just yeah, thank you. So uh, lots more to come between Heads Up and Dr. Molly. But for now, check out The Spark Factor. It's the first biohacking book for women, which is really, really, really long overdue. So thanks, Doc, for putting that out there. Thank um, you. Hopefully we can have you back on again when you have your next venture ready to share with the world. You rock, man. Thanks, Molly. You too. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 